coming to the message for this morning, um, I, I called it Christian Hope. Um, and I actually started off by thinking, well, there's a lot going on in the world today. You know, we only need to turn our televisions on or read the newspaper to see everything that's going on around us, aren't we? Energy prices, the cost of living, the recent so-called mini-budget, uh, you know, put the, the financial markets in a complete turmoil at the moment, all that uncertainty, the war in Ukraine and the world you know, still trying to recover after the pandemic. They're, they're just a few things that we see when we open the newspapers or, or turn on the TV. They're big things and they affect our lives, of course they do. Now, but as well as those things, there's other things that affect us personally that perhaps, you know, the person sitting next to you don't know about. That they're small, but they're big for us. Um, maybe small in the whole picture of the world, but God's interested in each part of our lives. And then, you sort of look at it, time flashes by, doesn't it? As we move from one event to the next, from one milestone to another. We might be celebrating a birthday <coughs> again, <laughs> or, or an anniversary, you know. Sometimes it can feel as though life just keeps going round, the wheel comes round again, doesn't it? It's going to be Christmas soon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it suddenly, yeah, it comes round again. I heard someone say once, stop the world, I want to get off. It's, uh, you know, we live in a world where time is constantly measured. You know, but as Christians, we should also be living in such a way that we recognise our lives are just a short part of eternity. You know, we're living in a fallen world, we know that. And a fallen world has problems. But we're also living with that sure hope of God's eternal plan, right here, right now. He's got the big picture. From the beginning of time, God knew us and he had a plan for each of us. And even today, in all this turmoil and all the things that go on, he's ready to effect the next part of his plan in us individually, but not just individually, but the overall plan for the world, for the church, wherever we are in, the, in our lives. And that's where he wants to be, isn't he? He wants to be in our lives, effecting that overall plan so that we fit into that plan where, where he's got that bit for us to do, to be. Because it's not just do, it's also be. You know, someone said to me once, we're not human doings, we're human beings. You know, um, um, you know, we can just be in God and that's part of God's plan too. You know, uh, we just mentioned the fact that Wayne uh, will be joining us later this year. Who knows what God's got, you know, through Wayne uh, to bring to us, to be a part of that plan, part of his eternity. And it's humbling, really, if you think about it, that God has chosen each one of us to be a part of his plan. Now, at one level, I guess, yeah, we all know that stuff, don't we? We know that. But sometimes it gets a bit pushed down. You know, we don't always feel like we know it. Maybe you've got problems with the neighbours or, or difficulty with the family or concern about relationships, about an illness or about a loved one. You know, worries about our finances. You know, we might feel as though we're often saying, why me? Well, that's not just a modern day question. The psalmist, we, we already looked at one psalm, but another psalm there, I remember I've got one up there now, um, that says, why so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Now the psalmist was clearly struggling, but he made a definite decision, just there on that third line, to put his hope in God. 
despite how we felt. Like the psalmist, things can get us down. But like the psalmist, we sometimes need to make that decision to trust God and to put our hope in him and to go forward. Hope. Just a short word, isn't it? Come rolls off tongue very quick. Um, but it's a bit of an unusual word as well in English because it has two very distinct meanings and, and often we only focus on one of them. I hope you have a good holiday. I hope my test results are good. If you're a young, young person, perhaps, uh, you know, I hope I, I get the iPhone for my birthday or whatever it is. <laughs> there's, there's that hope, aren't they? I hope that something doesn't happen again, whatever that something is. It, it, I hope is a, is a phrase you know, that's often heard. We may have hopes or dreams for our future or hopes for our children or grandchildren. The word hope has that sense of desire or wish attached to it. But that's not the way the Bible uses the word hope. Because in the Bible, the word embodies certainty. The hope embodies certainty. There's not an ambiguity about it. Now the main passage I'm going to focus on this morning is from Romans 5. And that says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So the Bible describes hope with a certainty not an ambiguity. A certain, definite expectation of obtaining it. There's confidence, there's an eager anticipation of definitely receiving it. We should be living our lives with that hope and the hope of eternal life. When all these things press in on us, when they cause concerns, we should still be holding on to that definite promise of that ongoing hope of eternal life. Jesus has bought our future. It's secure. Eternity is not a maybe, a might be, a could be, a should be, or even a will be. It's already bought. Certain, definite and sure. It's not that wishful thinking or dream of a hope. It's settled. It's completed. Nothing to add. Nothing can be taken away. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it's finished. It's our final. It, it was final. Our today is secure, just as our future is secure, because our hope is secure. So it's, it's a living hope. It's a certain hope amidst all those challenges of life. But life doesn't always work out how we planned it, or how we might like it to be. There's, there's going to be bereavements. There might be serious illness. There might be worries about finances or family relationships, as I say. Or perhaps children or loneliness. <laughs> I think we all know there are daily struggles with aches and pains or fears or phobias or allergies. We live in a fallen world. But despite any of these things, we're secure in God. I know a, a Christian that outside of this church, so don't try and work out who it is, outside of Perry Street as well, <laughs> But I know a Christian who's, who's had many difficulties in his family and he's struggled for many years praying that various situations will be resolved. 
I know at times it's shaken his faith and that question, why, has been a great struggle. He said to me that all he could do is trust in the sovereignty of God. He continues to pray, but he rests in that assurance that God is in control. He still has challenges that he'd rather not have, but he also continues to place his trust, his hope in God, rather than focusing on those immediate concerns. Yes, we have a life to live, and we must have our feet firmly on the ground, but our faith lifts us. It changes our views, and it extends our horizons. God is still on the throne, and always will be. And we're secure in him because he's got the big picture. We can have that confidence in God's sovereignty. We can leave it with him, whatever it is. There's nothing that's going to surprise God. <clears throat> but let's think for a moment, what if we didn't have faith? What if we weren't Christians? We might still be optimistic about life and the future, but actually that's all it could be. Because if we didn't believe, then we can't have that same hope. What of other faiths? Do they offer a certain hope? Well, in Islam, if, if the good outweighs the bad, you go to heaven. But if the bad outweighs the good, you go to hell. It's a, a weighing up on the scales, followed by judgment. There's no certainty. In Hinduism, if you have a hundred thousand incarnations, starting perhaps as an ant and then a bug and ultimately end up as a holy cow, then at the end, you may be ready for heaven. But there's no certainty. And in Buddhism, heaven and hell is said to be within you. It's a state that you reach within yourself, within your own mind. It's a state, it's not a place or a condition. That, that's, that's all it is. The global rooftop encounter that's happening today is a challenge to see our communities as God sees them in need of the Christian message of hope and eternal life. So how much do we value that certain hope that we have in Jesus? We have that complete assurance of, through, uh, through Jesus, of acceptance through Jesus. There's no question, no uncertainty. No matter what's going on, we're secure. No other faith has that assurance. They don't offer that hope. They can't. Because Jesus is the only way for us to be reconciled to God. And of course we're going to remember that in communion in a little while. Thank God for Jesus. And thank God for our hope. Because hope is our certainty and that lives alongside faith and love. 1 Corinthians 13, very well known passage of scripture, so well known I'm not even going to put it on the board. It's often read at weddings. Um, I'm going to mention the last verse today. It's a very familiar verse. And after speaking much about love, the chapter finishes, these three things remain. Faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. When everything else evaporates, when all else is gone, when everything's stripped away, faith, hope and love remain. They're at the heart of the Christian life. 
We often hear sermons, don't we, about faith and about love. Don't often hear them quite as much about hope. We seem to have missed that out a bit. When things are tough and we're finding life difficult, as I say, we can become downbeat, just like the psalmist did that I mentioned at the beginning. We can even become a bit pessimistic and cynical. We can be short-sighted, we can focus on our current problems. Yes, we need to address them, but we need to be careful not to let them take over us. And when that happens, we tend to talk about holding on to our faith and believing in the love of God. But we don't often talk about our hope, the certainty of where we are and where we're heading. We're secure now, and we have hope for the future. Yeah, we're on a journey. Let's not lose sight of the destination. We're not going to know which way to go if we don't know where we're heading. There's an interesting verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 and that says, Since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Again, faith, hope and love all appear in the same verse. And the name of that helmet is hope the hope of salvation. Some of you might know that uh, I work part-time in a small school at Mount Nessing as a site manager. It's a posh name that takes over from a caretaker, I think. Um, But I don't actually do all the caretaking responsibilities, to be fair. I don't open up and close up. But I do look after maintenance and health and safety, you know, contractors that are on site and that sort of thing. And over the last 18 months, we've been having a big extension uh, built. It doubles the size of the school. It's not quite as impressive as it sounds. It was only 105 and now it's going to be 210. Um, but it was a, a big extension. Um, I wasn't responsible for that build, fortunately, because it ran about 18 months late. But, um, but when I visited the building site, I had to wear safety shoes and a hard hat, as you normally do. Now, if I'd had an accident and I wasn't wearing them, then it's no good knowing where they are. It's too late. And it's the same with the armour of God. It's no good knowing about it or where to find it in the Bible if we don't put it on and use it. God provides it, but we have to put it on. The helmet, of course, the hard hat, protects our heads. And in this case, not just from physical blows, it's also there to protect our thoughts, our minds. We need to put on hope to protect ourselves. Don't lose hope. Don't lose that certainty and assurance of our salvation. Put it on and don't let it go. Because there's something about hope that protects our minds. Hope to guard our thoughts as a helmet protects our heads. Now the word hope, and you don't have to attend walk through the Bible for this, but the word hope appears in the New Testament more than 80 times, and the Old Testament more than 100. We're constantly reminded to live in hope, to live in that confident expectation of God's goodness and to be assured that God is working out his purposes. Romans 8.28 is another very familiar verse to us, a favourite for many. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those that love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
in the context of what I'm saying this morning, I, I see this verse as a, a sort of an applied hope. Let me read that verse again with that thought of applied hope in mind. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those that love him who have been called according to his purpose. No matter what the situation, what trial we're going through, God is working all things together for good. But of course we're two provisos. We must be loving God and we must be called according to his purposes, obediently following his calling. From time to time it's good to ask ourselves, are we walking where God has called us to walk? And are we walking in the way that God has called us to walk? Are we walking as as good wives or husbands, parents, grandparents, neighbours, friends or, or whatever? If we're still working, are we performing our duties in the best way we can? How are we walking? Now we can't all be missionaries uh, in the traditional sense, but we can be all that God wants us to be, all that he's called us to be, and we can strive to be the very best in that, living a life that shows that we have that hope. I went to a, a Christian conference some years ago where the speaker challenges, challenged us as to how we're going to be remembered, what we actually do with our lives. He told the story of a, a corrupt lawyer who died and he left instruction that on his gravestone it should be written, here lies a cheat, liar, criminal and fraudster. And as someone walked past, they commented, there lies an honest man. <laughs> The speaker then went on to challenge us about what he called as the dash of our lives. I'll explain. Here are a few famous people. We probably learnt about most of them at school. Florence Nightingale, known as a nurse who cared for the injured during the Crimean War and as the founder of modern nursing. William Carey, who served as a missionary to India and was the founder of the Baptist Missionary Society. William Booth, who founded the Salvation Army and provided for the poor and needy whilst bringing them the gospel. Mother Teresa, for her work in the sons of India, bringing the love of God into desperate situations. And then Brother Andrew, who smuggled many Bibles into communist countries, bringing hope to people in a society that had little to hope for. Had I prepared this sermon, perhaps a week ago, the 2022 would not have been on there for Brother Andrew. He died last Tuesday. Now, you know, each of us, uh, sorry, each of them have a date when they're born and when they died. But we don't remember them for those dates. Not for their date of their birth or their date of their death, unless perhaps you're, you're you know, getting ready for a quiz show or something like that. What we remember for, remember them for, is what happened between the dates. The dash that links the dates. Because that's where the difference is made. And that's where we serve God. That's where we can live out our hope and bring hope in our everyday lives. It's where we are. It's where God's placed us. It's where our dash is. 
Sometimes you come across people who wish they were like someone else. I wish I was like so-and-so. I wish, you know, and so on. But if you think about it, there's already one of them. You'd only be a copy. God could have made you someone else, but he made you. Each one of us is original. We're unique. And God wants us to grow into all that he has for us. And we're called to serve God where we are, as we are. There's no retirement. There's no taking it easy. It may be that as we get older our service changes, but it's never finished. We don't retire. God has called us, all of us, to serve him yesterday, today and forever. For eternity. As I say, the service may change, but the God we serve doesn't. We're called to serve him and to bring hope wherever we are, in our home, in our family, in our neighbourhood, our church, our workplace, whatever situation we're in. Are we looking for those opportunities to serve, to bring hope? God's called us to be an active people in every part of our lives and through our lives to show God's blessing and goodness, to spread hope to a world that needs it. What impression, what effect is our dash having? We're still living that bit between the dates. We can't all be Florence Nightingales or William Booths, but we can bring hope and life wherever we are. We've been born into a living hope. Now, the opposite of hope is despair. We fall into despair when we lose hope. And when Jesus hung on the cross, it looked as though hope was gone, that the devil had won. On the Friday, there was crucifixion and despair. The hopes vanished. But hope was reborn on Sunday morning when Jesus walked out the tomb. He defeated death and the devil. Hope from the resurrection of Jesus. It was his resurrection that meant that the church was born and that within the heart of the church, so hope was born eternal. We may be going through difficult times. We may have lots of uncertainties around us. And perhaps at times our hope wanes. But we know where life is ultimately leading. And I pray this morning might be a rebirth of a living hope that we put on that helmet of salvation called hope to protect our thoughts. Let me just finish with a final verse from Romans 15 which says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a a great prayer that Paul wrote to the Romans to wish them overflowing hope brought on by being filled with joy and peace as they trust God and live in that hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a God of love. We have a God of faith. But also a God of certain hope. Wherever we are in our lives, whatever situation we're in, God is alive in hope in our hearts. Let's choose to believe and accept that living hope. Share it when we have the opportunity and so bring hope to a world that otherwise doesn't have that hope.